Listen Fast, Listen First delivers real-time, authentic stories told by successful Connecticut business owners and community leaders. You'll hear pivotal moments of risk-taking, failure, adaptability, and resilience that all lead to success. And now, the host of Listen Fast, Listen First, Alex Horton. Our guest today is Angela Farrell, co-owner of Walrus Alley Restaurant, voted one of the best restaurants in Connecticut in downtown Westport. Angela and her husband, Joe, have been restaurant owners since 2013, starting with their first restaurant, Walrus and Carpenter in Black Rock, which served barbecue, smoked meat specialties, and burgers to packed crowds every night. Today, they also brew their own beer label, have a food truck, a catering business, and in a, in a competitive and demanding restaurant scene in Fairfield County, they're thriving with their creative menu, live music, and takeout specials. Welcome to the program, Angela. Glad to be here. Well, it's good to see you, and uh, and I have to start by saying this, that every time that I see a social media post uh, with uh, fried chicken or whatever it is that you guys are posting, it, it you always seem to post it when I'm at my absolute hungriest. Why is that? <laughs> it's intentional. <laughs> it, I bet it is. You're a marketer at heart, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I usually have a, an idea of when people are going to start thinking about their lunch, their dinner, their, their plans. Um, you know, people do plan to not cook at home. There, there has to be a conscious decision, and uh, hopefully we can tempt them to come towards us when they made that decision. Well, you, you torture me, I'll tell you that. And, <laughs> no, but I, I've, I've uh, eaten at Walrus over the years, and uh, really is a spectacular. There's a reason it's voted number one. That's not gratuitous in any way, shape, or form. It is a spectacular place, and I look forward to talking a bit about that uh, with you. Uh, and your, your husband, um, Joe is the co-owner with you, right? So mm -hmm. you're, you're probably, uh, and I'm guessing, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you're, you're the marketing genius and he's the food and music genius. Do I have that right? Sounds about right. Okay. And so let's, let's start with marketing. Uh, how important is, uh, social media for a restaurant today, especially during COVID times? Oh, extremely, extremely. Uh, we really look at at social media as a conversation. So we have people who are willing to talk and willing to listen. And if we can give them the right message, um, something that makes them a little hungry, something that appeals to them, something that makes them feel like, you know, their mom made it, you know, a, an emotional tie in, in some way, uh, then they might come towards us. They, they might, you know, step out of their comfort zone or they might step into their comfort zone and and find us. And if we didn't have the ability to make that conversation happen, then we'd be losing a huge share of the market. And so during COVID, where obviously you're at limited capacity, um, you, you, you can't control everything that's going on. Um, I, I noticed that you have a great website. And again, you know, I, I allude to the social media. Could a could a restaurant survive without uh, great social media presence today? They could survive, but it'd be very different. Um, a, a real life example from this week is uh, that we had not great weather. We had a lot of not great weather. And when there's not great weather, there's less people going out because they don't want to get out of the car, so on and so forth. So knowing that, uh, we posted a picture of one of our top sellers, the winner winner chicken dinner, which is a meal that feeds four. Um, it's a real mom-friendly type of thing. And the picture just showed 
the dinner in the to-go containers and all the sides. And when I posted that, within two hours, we basically sold out. Wow. Uh, which is great. You know, it's a great problem to have, and we're increasing kitchen capacity to to deal with that sort of thing. But it's because I gave an answer to a, a problem. You know, people wanted to go out; they wanted to have something nice. They had a stressful work week, and they found a solution of not cooking and bringing home something different and a little bit fun. And it was just one picture that did it. And, and you're in and you're in Westport now. I know you you were up in Black Rock. How hard of a transition was that to, to leave BlackRock? You had a loyal uh, customer base. Did the loyal customer base, did they follow you? Tell me about that transition. Uh, we were very fortunate. Um, when we left BlackRock, we discovered that a, a large portion of our people were closer to the Westport location. Our, our existing customer base was in Fairfield. It was in, in Westport. It was north um, Nothing much past Bridgeport. So by being in the Black Rock area, we were attracting everything kind of south for the most part. So when we moved further south, we were able to keep most of our customers. And those that we didn't, um, we, we still are, feel like part of the community. And they come down and they visit. And it's really wonderful to see the faces of the people who do come down for us. Um, who, who were Black Rock, who would walk to the restaurant. Um, we recognize them on site and, and always make a, a big deal to be excited that they came and visited us again. So well, that's good. That's good news for, for Walrus. Definitely. And, you know, it, it makes me think about how important uh, over the years it's been drilled in our heads about location, location, location. And uh, I'm venturing to guess that location uh, during COVID probably wasn't as important as uh, being able to be nimble, uh, adapt to the, the changes and so forth. But uh, do I have that right, number one? And then number two, what was it that, that helped you get through COVID? Uh, well, it's kind of a, a multi-part thing. So location's definitely important because uh, during COVID, we found that people didn't want to venture out of their comfort zone physically. So when someone starts eating out again and puts their trust in you, they need to already know that you were a safe spot. You know, you're not going to try a new restaurant right now. You're, you're going to test out takeout. Hmm. And then you'll pop in to pick up your takeout and you'll see how they're doing. So it's building up a trust base and, and respecting that everybody has their comfort zone and doing the best to appeal to that. So if we had moved to a hole in the wall in the middle of nowhere, it would have made a big difference. But we moved to a place that, that everybody was familiar with. We had the old restaurant location that in, in Westport already. So that helped dramatically. Um, the, the ability to adapt 100% is what's making and breaking restaurants right now. We do an incredible amount of takeout and we understand that that's a whole nother arm of the business now. You know, making sure that the food, when it arrives in a different situation, works for the guest. You know, it was easy before to, to make a steak and put it on your table, but now we need to think about that steak. How is it going to rest in, in the box? You know, are you going to put it in a box? Are you going to put it in a cardboard container? Do you have to worry about leaking? You also have to be environmentally friendly. You can't just put things in plastic. Um, we want people, when they open up their steak dinner at home, to get excited to, to drool over what is going to be an amazing dinner, not just look at something that's a hunk of meat in a piece of plastic. There's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of adapting and taking things not for granted 
you know, every detail has to be thought out and adaptation is 100% what helped us hopefully keep lifelong uh, guests coming back. Oh, that's great. The um, Talk to me a little bit about the challenges of staff. What, what I've been told in the restaurant scene, and again, it's not my, it's, I love restaurants, I love good food, but um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the challenges of, of managing a staff during COVID. Definitely a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it's kind of, again, multi-stepped. Uh, one, um, and in the restaurant, I, I'm the, I forgot the actual title, but the person who's in charge of all the COVID regulations. Okay. So uh, yep. I've memorized the book, shall we say. And um, there's tons of checklists and tons of protocols and enforcing your staff to make sure that they follow them. They cannot miss a step. So oversight and management is twice as important as it used to be. You know, you can't just take for granted that, that a, a busser is going to clean a table properly. You need to see it with your eyes. You need to double check everything to make sure your, your guests are safe and um, supported. On the other side, there is less of a, a pool of people who are working right now. It's hard to hold on to staff because there's a lot of w women, particularly, who have children and their children are on... Um, different learning schedules, so they can't just go to work full-time anymore. They have uh, part-time abilities. We have a lot of people who have family members who are um, high risk, so uh, they aren't comfortable going into a environment like a restaurant where they're exposed to a lot of guests and things regardless of the protocol. They, they don't feel safe. So we probably lost a lot of our staff to realistic life. Um, and we're hoping to have them back at some point. We also have a, a lot of people who, when they went on um, unemployment or they were trying to figure out what they want to do, industry people, who are now trying to get out of the industry and trying to get desk jobs and get something different they're looking at as an opportunity to step into a new life after COVID. Um, so those who are applying for, for jobs now, there's just a lot less, uh, a lot more training. We're trying to keep an eye on the, the best way to support new people. So it's just, it's an interesting struggle that we're going through right now. Understood. Understood. And um, as far as, you know, my, I guess my biggest question is what is it that makes the food at, at Walrus so good? I mean, is it, is it that you have a great chef? Is it, I mean, what is it? Love. No. Love. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I love your food. I, I, I don't know if that's the the, uh, the answer I was looking for, yeah, but no. no what is, seriously, what I'll, what is it? I think it's a collaboration. I mean, our chef um, John Vast is incredible. He's incredible. He puts a lot of thought into every dish that he makes, and there's a lot of testing. Um, every time that he makes something new, he'll he'll make it multiple times. He'll tweak things and he'll ask opinions. Um, a, a simple example is we did a, a split pea mint soup with bacon crunchies on top as a soup special this week. And he probably did three different iterations before finding the right one. And it's just a simple soup of the moment. You know, it's something that might last a week, but he put in a lot of thought into the flavors for something that's going to be here and gone. Uh, you can imagine how many times we go through a dish for something that we actually want to stay. So um, quality control is huge. Um, everything going out needs to be uniform and sometimes it takes a little more management and watching 
um, by Chef John, his, uh, the other cooks in the kitchen to, to make sure every dish looks the same. Every dish has the right level of salt and, and fats and ingredients to make sure that they are consistent to the original recipes. How does one get a taste tester job at your company? Yeah, I'm kidding, because I'm, yeah. I'm volunteering. I, mean, I'm, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to give up my job. Yeah, right. That'd be, that sounds like the best job on earth right there. Yeah, it's not too bad, I'll tell you. So the other thing that, that Walrus has been known for is a great music scene. Live musicians uh, playing. Right now, you've got Walrus Alley that, you know, in, in, as the... As it warms up out there, I know you, you welcome musicians and so forth. It is really a cool scene uh, for anybody listening to this who hasn't been there. You, you need to get there. But um, just like good food, you know, good music, you know, there's an art, there's a science, finding the right musicians. Tell me a little bit about Walrus and and um, kind of the the music uh, talent that you that you typically uh, see when you're when you're visiting. Well, I mean, Joe's the, the head of the, the music and the heart of it as well. And when we first started Walrus and Carpenter so many years ago, he really culminated a lot of great talent, um, talented individuals who not, not necessarily ones who in, were working together at the time, but he established relationships and they would build these music events together and these programs. And it involved so many individual people coming together and then these new bands formed. So a lot of the groups who you'll see on the regular didn't exist before the restaurant, which is kind of fun. Mm. Um, you know, one of the ones, uh, Hitch and the Giddy Up, was just a bunch of musicians who would come and play whenever we'd do a pig roast. <laughs> is that right? They're the and pig roast band. They, they were. They started off that way, and a couple of members came in and out, and now it's a solid band who has uh, multiple albums and, um, you know, it tours and does great stuff, uh, really great music together. And it's a privilege to have these people who started off in different places come together and then play for our audiences. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, the, the fact that you built, you, you built something, you know, uh, food related and, and, uh, and, and sure enough, um, you, you kind of leaving a, a bit of a legacy where, you know, a band picks up and becomes a band as a result of no. what you're doing. That's amazing. That, that, Absolutely. That's cool. And I would say most of the, the bands that we have um, kind of grew with us. You know, we, we grew from what they know and their style of music. And occasionally you'd say, have you, have you heard this, this album? Have you, can you incorporate this into what you're doing? And then they would take it and bring it to the 10th level. You know, they would find this new thing that they'd never heard and suddenly it would open up a whole new genre or a whole new direction of how they play, which is just too cool to watch. <laughs> yeah, I was hanging out there, uh, I don't know, some summer night, maybe a, uh, a couple of years back. And I was standing there with Joe in, in the alley listening to a band. And I said, Joe, how is it that the sound, like the acoustics in this brick alley are so good? I mean, did, did you just get lucky or was that part of the, the, the game plan in terms of the, the, the overall sound? Combination of both, probably. I mean, mm -hmm. there's definitely, it definitely has its own sound that we couldn't have built. But that when musicians are setting up, a lot of effort goes into testing the sound and understanding the environment. It's definitely not a people show up plug in and then start playing. It's it's a little more thought out for sure. Got it. Got it. Oh, it's very, very cool. I, I really enjoy that piece of it. I mean, you know, there's very few uh, 
restaurants and scenes out there where you can find high quality musicians and, and you guys definitely have that down. No question about it. Well, we've been we've been really lucky and it's translated into a, a couple of national touring uh, bands playing in the alley and playing in the old location. We used to have Lucky Peterson, who is a blues legend who just passed, unfortunately. Yeah. And he would come twice a year and he'd, he'd give us a call and be like, I'm local. Can I play? And, you know, it would be wall to wall people for him because he was incredible. And he would ask, you know, the, the, our local musicians, you know, the, the Walrus All Stars to, to come behind him and play and create this magical memory. Uh, we used to have uh, quite a few bands like that uh, coming in and just giving calls because they knew the Walrus scene was someplace that they could have a nice warm meal and be comfortable and let their hair down and actually play to a smaller audience, which is what a lot of musicians want when they start getting bigger. They want to feel the guests. They want to feel the vibe of the people who are around. They don't want to just do these larger stadium type of places. And, and you said, Angela, you said Walrus All-Stars. Is that an actual group or what is that? It's an unofficial. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it's a uh, just a bunch of uh, musicians that um, kind of show up when... Uh, when called, yeah. When called, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you available next Saturday? Well, let me see, you know, type of thing. So I'll drop this and come on over. Very so. cool. Very cool. And, and Westport's a pretty, I mean, I'll tell you, they've got the Levitt Pavilion over there. There's, it's a, it's a art, artsy type town. Um, but what else about Westport that uh, maybe was uh, more of a pleasant surprise in your transition from Black Rock to Westport? Is there anything else that you could tell me a bit about, you know, uh, why you're in Westport or something positive about Westport? Well, uh, well, the transition was less difficult because, like I said, we had another restaurant in that physical space before. Yeah. But the the guests who are coming for Walrus Alley are definitely different than the, the guests who are coming for Rothbard. Um, and I, I think I'm surprised by how far people will travel to Westport. Um, they'll they'll come from much further south. We're having a lot of people come up from from Greenwich for us. And that was unexpected that people are coming all the way for, for our wonderful food. You know, it's, it's always a compliment when someone's coming from out of town. Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of regulars. We have a lot of wonderful regulars and I really enjoy watching them meet each other for the first time. You know, Black Rock was definitely a community where everybody kind of knew everybody. So it wasn't surprising uh, when your regulars knew each other, but Westport's a little bit more reserved. Uh, they have um, they have to build a comfort level with each other, and it's, it attracts people from all different ways of life. So you'll be sitting, and you'll see two different groups of regulars who, uh, on the streets, would have never met or talked, and suddenly they're they're talking business together, and they're they're picking each other's brains, and you know, enhancing each other, and being intellectually stimulated all all around. You know, this little table that you built. Um, I'm, I really love seeing these new people start meeting each other. So. Very cool. And, and how tight is the, uh, in, maybe I'm asking a question I shouldn't, but here, here goes. Um, as far as the, the restaurant community and, and kind of playing in the same sandbox, there are so many great restaurants in Westport. I mean, is there a, is there a tight knit restaurant community? Have you guys gotten closer because of COVID or, or, or farther away? Well, the, the restaurant community in Westport is definitely, everybody knows everybody. Yep. Um, 
and and you start understanding each other's struggles. In the beginning, there was a, a wonderful group. Uh, how do I word it? There, there was a restaurant group who all together would be trying to understand things. So we'd have these new rules where you can, you can only be outside, but it can only be half capacity and you can only have things go to a certain hour. And this community of restaurateurs started being able to talk to each other and say, okay, well, how did you do this? Um, how did the guests react when they saw that you were throwing out menus every single time after they touched it? Were they were they happy because you were following the protocols, or did they feel uncomfortable because you were putting up plastic? You know, how did you combat these things? And it helped us all grow together. Um, we have a wonderful restaurant group above us, uh, head by Je- uh, Jeff Taby, uh, who has a couple of restaurants, and he has been instrumental in in the community. Um, in actually the state of Connecticut, helping understand these regulations. And it was really nice being able to, to talk to him and see what the, the legal aspects of certain things were. And on the other side, um, him talking to us, trying to figure out the best way to incorporate things like um, music and how to enact these things on a level that made people comfortable but not feel isolated. Um, so it turned into an interesting collaboration of, of people dealing with the same struggles. Um, and being able to talk to each other definitely helped. Cool. For sure. Cool. Well, I appreciate the answer. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's important in, in times of adversity that, you know, people adapt, right? And, and it sounds like the, the restaurant community, um, the ones that were open to it, it adapted well, you know, and, and some, some, you know, didn't adapt or couldn't adapt, but um, very, very trying times. And and um, I'm glad to hear that, you know, I, I, I'm always sad when a, a restaurant goes out, you know, a good restaurant. It's, uh, um, there's such a part of the fabric of each one of these communities. Um, so what's coming up at Walrus? What, what um, in terms of bands and, and, uh, and food, we're, we're getting into spring, we're getting out of COVID. What are you looking forward to? What should I look forward to? Oh, anything with the warmer weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, our patio is the winner for sure in this location. Uh, when the patio opens up, uh, we, I mean, we've been seating people all winter. We've had a, a couple of people who would come every night and sit under the heat lamps, and we were very happy to have them. But it, it will be so much nicer having the, the warm sunshine hitting us and uh, being able to you know, let our hair down uh, outside, you know, relax a bit. And with that comes a new spring menu, which we're developing right now, a couple of fun dishes, uh, keeping most of the classics. It's hard to add new items because then you have to get rid of some old ones. <laughs> so we're working through that. It's a, it's a little bit of a struggle. And then our music program is going to be starting in earnest in May. So about mid-May, we're going to have all these wonderful musicians coming. Uh, we'll have music every Friday night and most uh, Saturdays and Sundays for brunch. So a lot of activity, a lot of activity. We're, we're so psyched to be able to share everything with so many new people who discovered us over the winter and haven't experienced the, the alley and, um, and the music vibe and ha- don't know that aspect of us yet. Oh, they're in for a treat. That's for certain. Are you bringing the, the, the guy back who does the Beatles shows on uh, on Sundays? Actually, he's already played, uh, I think it was last last Sunday, but we'll definitely be having him. Oh, he, uh, Tim Palmieri is incredible. We 
he, he stuck it out with us during the very tight regulations um, because he's a he's a one man show and somehow just one one guy can fill a space with so much music and so much energy. So we'll we'll definitely be keeping him come back and uh, we're trying to push him to do more than just the Beatles. Uh, Joe would say that he's a big Rolling Stones fan, so he's trying he's trying to bring a couple couple more tunes. You know, maybe a little different direction. <laughs> well, the, uh, w- weren't the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, weren't they like uh, the Yankees and the and the Red Sox? Yes, uh, yeah, yes, right. for sure. Uh, not quite uh, oil and vinegar, but uh, they were definitely, you were either a Beatles or a Stones fan. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> ah, good stuff. That's awesome. I, I, I look forward to, to getting over there and hearing that. So, uh, so um, we do a section of, or this section of the show we call uh, Connecticut Rapid Fire Questions. I ask you a few questions about uh, your favorite this, favorite that. And the reason is we, we want to give back to the, the local businesses and the local community. Um, so an easy one to start. What's your favorite pizza, Angela? Ah, oh, Zupardi's. Zupardi's. Zupardi's up in New, uh, North Haven, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hands yeah. down. They do, so uh, and Zupardi's, they um, also package their, their pizza so you can buy it at the, the store, right? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say they did a great job of adapting um, themselves. Now you can pick up the, the frozen pizzas over at the Big Y, and they have a couple of other locations. They're starting to sell pizzas to, to bars, and they just do a great job. Even the frozen pizzas are Top notch. I mean, everything that they've been doing has been been great, and they've been great through COVID, and they were great before. And I'm excited to keep on eating way too much pizza for years to come. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Shout out to Zupardi's. I think they're in West Haven, right? I, I, you might be yeah, right about Zupardi's. Well, anyway, shout out to Zupardi's. Good stuff. Um, here's a softball question for you. Now we have 150 micro breweries in Connecticut and growing by the the minute. Uh, what's your favorite microbrew at this time, Angela? Oh, wow. That's so hard to not say walrus ale and lager. That's right. So walrus, yes. you've got your own uh, your own microbrew, right? We do. So we, we do a lot of collaborative beers. I think we've done f- four or five to date. Um, our longest standing one is MCA. Uh, we work with different breweries and create different uh, recipes, very hands-on. As you can tell, we're very hands-on with every aspect of what we do and um, create these wonderful flavors and these wonderful beers. And hopefully you'll come check them out. Uh, right now, the the easiest one to get would be over at uh, Voracious. They're the, the place that brews MCA, and you can get our beer both where we are. Um, you can get it in some liquor stores and you can also get it um, at the brewery. They have it on tap. And, so. and Voracious is in Monroe? They're in Monroe. Right. Okay. Got it. I, you know, my memory isn't all that good, but uh, good brews and good beers I can remember just fine. So, <laughs> if uh, you have too many of them, you probably won't. Well, but. <laughs> right. Very, very good point. Very good point. Uh, final question. Uh, if you were cleaning out your closet or you're, you're in a giving, a donating mood, you want to give to a nonprofit or a charity, who comes to mind? Ah, that's a good one. Um, well, I, I love Habitat for Humanity right now. They've done some amazing projects in the, the past six, eight months. They have the, the ReStore they have one in uh, Stratford. They have yep. they have well, they have a couple of them in Connecticut. And what they do is they take um, furniture, 
they take furniture, they resell furniture, and all the proceeds go to rebuilding homes and getting people homes and putting families in in different situations. And I've seen them do amazing things for people at need, people who've uh, dealt with fires and um, natural disasters and have just struggled. And yeah. Yeah. I've, I've worked with Habitat Restore up in Stratford. Actually, they're right next to another brewery. Two uh, roads. Two roads, right? Yeah. Uh, but the one thing, there's a couple things I like about Habitat. Number one, if I have a nice uh, office desk or something like that, that they'll come and pick it up um, and, and take it out, you know? So that, that's been a, a good thing. And then the other thing is they, they're hiring practices. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're organic. They're, they're trying to get people back on their feet, get them in the right direction. And uh, it's a, a wonderful organization. I agree. No, for sure. And I, I seem to recall that you might have had a table that was a reclaimed door that's from right. Habitat. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. I think I paid $75 and we, we turned a door into a table and, and it was one of the coolest. Oh, uh, it looked gorgeous it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I really appreciate you coming in. I, um, I why don't you tell everybody where you can be found? I, I mean, obviously your location and and how to find walrus and and uh, if you're if you're in the mood to eat, what? How am I ordering your food? What am I doing, Angela? Ah, you're coming to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Walrus Alley is in downtown Westport. Uh, we are right by the Main Street area. Uh, you can find us online at walrusalley.com. And every social media would be at Walrus Alley. So follow us on Facebook if you're looking for the music events and what specials we're running or more what new foods and what beers we have can be found on Walrus Alley on Untapped. Yeah. Basically, you, you look for those words and you'll find us for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Angela, for coming in. It's uh, great to have you here. And uh, I also want to thank our sponsors, Infinite Web Designs, Papa's Commercial Photography, and BRBG Insurance. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, obviously, please go like and, and share and do all those things on social media to, to, to boost this and get the word out about our Connecticut businesses and, and our, our business leaders. Thanks, and have a great day.